Good morning, folks. Great to see you all. Uh, it's nice sitting here. It's quite comfy up here. Uh, this is great. I'm Mark. If I haven't met you before, I'm the lead pastor here at uh, Barrable Hills Campus, and uh, we are doing something a little bit differently this morning. Uh, obviously, I'm sitting here on a uh, reclined chair, which is, uh, which is lovely. So uh, something that uh, I know we've only been here for a couple of months, but I know something that the church has been doing, one hope have been doing over the last uh, 12 months is telling stories. Uh, telling stories is a great opportunity for us to hear what is happening in the life of our church through not just those who are paid staff as such. So we're really fortunate here to have many of you that uh, share these stories to us, and we often hear about those. And uh, one of these stories we're going to hear uh, this morning, which uh, this gentleman, uh, when I first met him, actually it was about eight weeks ago when I first wandered on here on my first Sunday, and he was one of the first guys I got to meet. He was, uh, he's new to uh, One Hope, um, or he was new to me anyway, he wasn't here from when I was here uh, years back, and I was really encouraged uh, getting to meet him. And then uh, about three weeks ago, uh, Jono Broadbent, our campus pastor at Moorlap uh, campus, him and I got to have a, a coffee with uh, this gentleman, and we were just blown away by this man's story and him testifying to what God has done in his life. Uh, the, the, his powerful testimony was an encouragement to us. So this morning, I would like for you to put your hands together for uh, Moen, who's going to join me up here on the couch. Thank you, Moen. You may have uh, seen Moen around. Grab a chair, mate. Thanks, mate. And uh, I know uh, you've been coming along here to One Hope for a couple of years, which is great. And I just wanted to, uh, for Moen, he's going to share his story. And like I mentioned, it is a real, it's very powerful. Uh, we, um, Moen uh, is uh, going to share today, and we are very aware that the kids are in here. So Moen uh, is going to do his best to tell his story. And uh, obviously, um, we've chatted about that, and there's some stuff that he's uh, sensitive and aware of today. Um, but I encourage you as well with your children, um, there might be some things that, uh, that you do need to talk about at home after. And I know I did that this week with my two sons. Uh, they were asking uh, actually this week about what I was doing at church and the fact that I was going to be sitting on couches and chatting. And it was a great opportunity to talk to my uh, sons about uh, the fact that we uh, live here in Australia and the uh, opportunity and privileges that we have to share our faith. Where Moen, which he's going to go into, didn't grow up in this country. And uh, he didn't have some of the freedoms and the privileges that we do. Uh, and we have in our freedoms. And, uh, and I think that, again, uh, that's a, an opportunity as parents as well. I just wanted to say that. But as well, before Moen shares his story as well, there might be some things even uh, this morning that he shares that might trigger some things in your life. There might be some stuff in your past or even stuff that you're currently going, uh, you're going through at the moment or those around you are that you may need to chat to someone about that. And, and obviously, I'm available and as well, other, uh, the pastors and others uh, will be able to chat with you about that. So that I uh, just wanted to make sure I mentioned that at the start, which is great. So I've done enough talking because we really love to hear uh, you share, Moen. So you're obviously, when we first chatted, you were obviously a little bit reluctant um, to share your story. But I really, from off the top, uh, I'd love for you to paint a picture of your life, young Moen, uh, when you were living, obviously, uh, overseas, when you grew up in Iran, Muslim family. And if you could just tell us the events that led you to a point where you made a decision, where you really opened your heart to for Christ. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. I would like to firstly thank you and the rest of the leadership for giving me this opportunity to share 
what God has done in my life. And so thanks to you for being here. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's my privilege to, to be here with you guys this morning. Yeah, oh, I, I try my best to be G-rated this morning. <laughs> yeah, on, on April 1989, I was born in Iran to a fairly large Muslim family. Religious practices were usual around our household, especially with my mom. She was very zealous about the God that she knew, and even though she couldn't read or write, she somehow managed to teach herself to read Quran in Arabic. Yeah, so with those sort of upbringing, and what I was observing, I, I learned that if I want to have God's favor on my side, I have to do the same thing. I have to, you know, read and memorize Quran, do daily prayers five times a day, fast for months a year. And yeah, so being, being the youngest kid of six, I, I always felt that I have to somehow gain everyone else's attention and to impress them. So I started with that. I started uh, with practicing those religious acts from really early years of my life, even before they were mandatory for my age. But that didn't establish any, any relationship with God. And growing up, as I was oppressed with my sinful nature, I felt no worse to, to have to talk to God or to have any sort of relationship with the God that I knew back then. So, yeah, I think lack of management from my parents, it resulted on me feeling that I have four dads at home as each one of my older brothers wanted to discipline me in their own ways. So some of the stuff, some of the method that they picked up, they were, they were they were not pleasant at all to the point that I carry memories with details of those events in my life to this day. So home wasn't a safe place and wasn't a happy environment for me. I tried to spend as much as time I could outside in the street. So yeah, I, I, I turned to a spiritually, mentally depressed teenager and I was only 16 years old when I got introduced to drugs. Yeah, I, I started taking pills while going to high school. And I thought, oh, this is the answer to all my insecurity and lack of happiness. And I kept going with that. And before I knew it, I was, I was on heavier drugs, which made it obvious as my appearance started to, to change. Yeah, that was, that was the darkest period of my life. I wasn't receiving much love, basically, from anyone. And I kind of ran out of options. So I turned back to God again. I started crying out to God, just asking God, God, can I, can I just wake up one morning and feel like nothing has ever happened? Like I'm a normal person again, don't need to take drugs. I remember one, one day when someone knocked on our door, it was a neighbor, it was a couple that 
They were on their way to Saudi Arabia to visit the house of God, like Muslim God. And that was kind of their, their re tradition to go around and say goodbye to everyone, whoever they know, to make it right with everyone, kind of live with a clean conscience, so to say. So yeah, as they had those conversations with my parents and a couple of my siblings, I remember I ran out to our front yard and started crying my eye out and just begging her, saying, please, please, when you, when you go there, just pray, pray for me. I, I really need God to intervene in my, in my life I, to help me to live like a normal person again. Please pray for me when you go there. And I didn't care what people around me would think. Like, I think that was one of my lowest moments. I was really humbled for God, although I didn't know the God the way I knew God, know God today. But yeah, I was, I was crying God to, to God, crying out to God. And yeah, God, God heard my cry and he made, he made a way for me to, to turn my life around. One, one night when I was sitting in front of our house having, having a cigarette, a couple, couple people were just passing by and they approached me. They said, oh, we can see you're suffering. You can, we can see you're, you're, you're in pain. We are coming back from meetings. We are ex-addict. And yeah, we can, we can help you if you want. We, we can see your problem. So yeah, I, I know it was Yahweh answered my cry because he didn't use perfect people to reach out. They were just ex-addicts. They, they were where I was in that moment one day. So yeah, I, I agreed and with their help and with help of meetings and 12-step programs, I managed to get clean, go to rehab center for 14 days and join the meetings and get clean and get my life together. And yeah, a couple years after that, uh, I was two years into my study at uni. I, I still weren't, weren't happy as I was living in, with all those traumas from, from my childhood, from my young age. And I decided that I want to leave the country and live in a place that human rights are not constantly broken and wanted, wanted a fresh start and yeah, I decided to leave the country and start chatting with whoever I thought they, they could help and I happened to get contact detail of a friends of friends who was living in Germany at the time. Yeah, chatting with him through, through Skype, he kind of told me how he got out and how much it cost him and in that conversation, he mentioned something that stuck by me. He said, you know, many, many peoples are here because of their faith, because they're, they're Christian and they believe in, in Jesus and they're being persecuted back home. So that's why they're here. So what he was saying to me was, you know, if, if you want to go somewhere else, you have to have a valid reason to stay there. So these people are here because they're Christian. So... That kind of gave me an idea. I said, well, 
this is something that I can do. Maybe, maybe I do some research about Christianity, mm. and if I have to, you know, I read, I read the Bible to gain some knowledge. So that was my introduction to faith in Jesus. In my head, I kind of wanted to use God. Uh, yeah. I, I was successful in my search. I found a <laughs> couple, couple of friends on, on Facebook, a couple of Christians, and one of them happened to be a pastor of an online church on Skype, and he invited me to that church, and I didn't get much, much out of it. They were singing and talking. I think the topic was Old Testament, so I really struggled, but I happened to meet someone in that meeting. It was a girl that was living in the same city that I was living, and because it's, it wasn't safe for them to share any detail or name or address. They, she didn't want to meet up, but she said, you know, if you want, I can, I can send you a Bible. And I agreed. So she got a taxi, gave the Bible, wrapped up in a bunch of paper, gave it to the taxi driver and passed it to me. Yeah, I, I got the Bible, and I think that's where the you know, journey started. And I went to my room, closed the door, and she, she suggested that I start with gospel, so I started with the book of Matthew. And yeah, it was, it was me, a Bible, and the Holy Spirit. I, I started reading through, through Matthew and got to the part that Jesus was calling out, you know, all, all, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you rest, you know, take my yoke upon you. I'm, I'm humble in heart. And yeah, for, for, for my thirsty soul, how, how tired I was, that, that was enough. <laughs> that was enough to, you know, to accept God. And as I was reading and understanding more of, you know, what Jesus has done for me, what, what price he has paid on the cross, it was just making sense because I was constantly comparing all the teaching that I had in my real, like, that religion that I came from. And it just made sense that, you know, if, if God is righteous, he can't, he can't overlook my sin. He can't just say, you know, your good deeds will justify your bad deeds. Because that's what I learned. That's what they taught me mm. all over the place. They, they were telling me that, you know, there will, there, will, there will be a judgment day that we will stand before God. And there will be a scale there. They put your good deeds on one side, your bad deeds on the other. And whichever is heavier, that will determine determine where you, where you spend the eternity. And what Jesus was telling me that you don't, you don't have to do any, anything about that. In fact, you can't do anything about it because you, you're, you're a sinner and the penalty of sin is death. So whether you die for your sin or you let me die for your sin, mm, that's amen. the only way that you can get right with God. And like, like I said in, in religion, no matter what it's called. There is, there is no assurance. They, you don't know where you're standing with God until that day. Jesus was telling me, I assure you where you're standing with God. I make you right today. Yeah. And you know where you are with God today. If you, if you say yes to me, if, mm. if you let me to pay that price. So yeah, I was, I was sold. <laughs> I, I nailed on my knees, my room, and said, yes, Jesus, I, I want you to take over. 
you, you're my king and my savior. I want you to, you know, yeah. to be my God. And since that, that day, my, my life has been forever changed. Wow. I, I'll consider myself a product of God's grace. Wow. So powerful. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, mate. That's just that's a that's a journey. And uh, for you, you're sitting in your room. Uh, you're living in a country where to be converted, as to become a Christian, is illegal. You're sitting in your room as an, a young twenty-year-old in Iran. Your family around you, obviously a, a Muslim. Okay, well, I'm going to step out in my city and go to now a church and a community. Yeah. Is that possible for you? Well, I I thought. Wouldn't be that hard. Like, I knew that there are churches in our our city, but apparently they're like old churches from 60, 70 years ago. And when that Islamic revolution happened in Iran and Islamic authority took over, they closed down all the churches, or they some of them turned to to mosque or just being abandoned building. So I, I, I tried, I, di- I didn't know that. I, I found the address and went there, knocked on the door, stayed there for half an hour, an hour. Yeah, no, no, no one answered. And yeah, so that was my experience from the church. I knew that there are underground churches because I've, I've heard about them. But like I said, everyone's scared of their life. So it, it's not that easy to get, to get the address or numbers of those those underground churches. And I know for a fact that Iran underground churches are like the fastest Christian churches that are growing around the globe today, wow. according to to yeah, different scholars. So yeah, yeah, there were there were churches underground. I didn't know about them. Excellent. So fast forward we're gonna fast forward a little bit. So you're in your early twenties, you've come to faith. You're reading the Bible. You got your own Bible, but when we when we chatted, you had a, a real sense that you wanted to get out of the country, but also that you were wanting to connect with other Christians. Yeah. But that took a long time. Just if you could unpack as well the next few years, that journey from yeah the decisions that you made and what what sort of happened following. Well, a couple of years after that, my mom sadly passed away and. Given that I didn't really have any loving relationship with any other members of my family, I, I felt very lonely. On the other hand, I had Jesus, and I wanted to, you know, learn more about Jesus and talk to people and hear more and grow in my faith. You know, be able to have a community, have have that fellowship. So I, I decided again, you know, I I would go back to my research and I start start trying harder this time. Maybe I can I can get out of this country and go somewhere else. I never thought about where I'm gonna go, but my in my mind, you know, where 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 is possible. So by accident, I happened to meet someone in the shopping center, and he said to me that if you pay me that much money, I will I will help you to to go to Australia. I said, oh, cool. So in 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 a space of a week, I turned whatever I had to cash. I had a car, I sold it, I had some saving, and I gave it all to him. And he gave me a ticket to, to Indonesia. And yeah, his people came to meet me. 
and they put me in a hotel apartment for about 45 days. After that, they came, picked me up. They said, oh, are we going tonight? So you got you to get on the boat. I said, what? And yeah, that was the journey. I've, I've heard about them. I knew what they're going to do, and I knew that it's, it's really dangerous. I knew that there's the strongest possibility that I will, I will lose my life that night. But I did it anyway. I guess I was, I was really tired, and for me to get away from all the traumas that I've gone through, it, it was a gain even if, if to die. So I did it. I found myself on a fishing boat with 140 other people, five days in the ocean, and it was on the second day when they lost all the angels. I was, I was pretty sick, but I could see everyone terrified. They're crying out to their God and call onto their God. And in my heart, I was just, like I said, I was really sick, but in my heart, I was telling Jesus, please get me to a dry land again. <laughs> and yeah, we ran out of water, ran out of food. They were fighting over, over water. In, in that boat and yeah it was on, on the fifth day that I think it was on the fifth day when an airplane saw us and gave us headlight and I think they, they let the authority know and they eight, nine hours after that we saw the Australian Navy's light they came to rescue us yeah. wow so your, the Navy rescues you, you end up uh, Christmas Island, Christmas Island and this whole time still, you have not met, in person, another Christian? No, not, not yet. Like, and what happens next? Because this is quite significant in Christmas Island where you actually got to, got to have a Bible study or a church or something of that yeah, kind? I, they took us to Christmas Island, I was in detention and they transferred us to another detention in Curtin, somewhere around Perth. There I had a chat with religious officer. They introduced us to, and I said, hey, I wanna, I wanna go to church. <laughs> and he was like, oh, there's church there. I went there, it was a Catholic church. I couldn't speak English, so I, I didn't understand anything and it was very crowded. Came back to him, I said, no, that wasn't the place I wanted to go to. And he actually told me that, you know, there are a group of Iranian people here they, they have Bible study. If you want, I can introduce you to them. So he introduced me to that group. was a man named Nicholas. He was a man of faith. I think he started evangelizing in, in detention center. He got a group of 10 to 15 guys together. He baptized them in detention center, and they were having Bible study there. So that was my first experience of church in those detention rooms with those guys just hearing, hearing Bible and teachings from Nicholas. Yeah, he, he helped me a lot. Amazing, yeah. amazing. 
Well, we'll fast forward a little bit more because you then end up, not long, uh, but you end up in Victoria, which is a, is a blessing for us and you obviously moved to Geelong not that long ago. Um, but yeah, just if you can unpack then what happened uh, even more recently, um, and I might actually invite uh, your lovely wife up on stage because mm-hmm. sure. I think that's, that's a really amazing story as well over uh, you know, how you ended up in Victoria and, and what happened um, between, um, between yeah, the detention centre and moving to Victoria. Oh, it wasn't really something that I knew. They, they took us to a meeting in detention and they, they called us out and they asked me, if we ever give you a visa, where would you like to go? I just followed everyone else. They were all saying, oh, we want to go to Melbourne. It's a cool place. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Melbourne. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I ended up in Victoria. Yeah. yeah. And this is your lovely wife, which we put our hands together for Cora. Yeah. She reminds me of summer days when, when it's 26 and hot. And she just turned 26. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome. And you two lovebirds uh, got married, what, about a year ago? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, about a few months ago, we had our first anniversary. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, we might give the microphone to Cora. So, Cora, obviously you've, you've, met, you've met this man and you've heard his story and, and I'd just love to, to hear, uh, yeah, what, what, what have you seen God uh, do in your husband's life? And it's something quite powerful. Um, how has that been an encouragement to you? And, and as well, I'd love to, love to hear about uh, your marriage and about, uh, yeah, about how you guys are going and where you're living and what are you guys up to? Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> okay, well, where do I start? Um, it's interesting because all the events in my life that led up to meeting my husband has been pretty insane for me. <laughs> um, when I was in high school, I was part of a sort of social justice group, and around that time, there was a lot of like racism, racist riots happening, particularly in the area that I grew up in. And the refugee community was definitely mm. undervalued and everything that was going on like politically in Australia and also like all the events that have happened now with the government change, like it's been a very intense period of time for people that have had to come here um, a lot with trauma and now's the time to start talking about these things. So meeting Moyen was just life-changing for me to be able to get to share like life with him and see just how he's overcome so many barriers and now he gets to sit here today (laughs) and share his lived experience. And this is what helps to break down barriers for all the underprivileged communities. So I'm very happy to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks, Cora. Spot on. Thank you. You mentioned trauma and I think that's a really important uh, thing that I, th- I love. We've got a couple of more minutes just to just to finish up because obviously what you experienced in Iran, especially with your family, 
just, I'd love to hear uh, how you've been able to sort of work through that uh, over these last few years and, and your relationship with uh, your family back home. So, as I've been walking with God and getting know to God more and more, the things that I care about has changed. And God has changed my heart. And yeah, I, there were days in my, in my life that I would remember something from my past and I would bring me down for days. I was some, at some stage I had to be on anti-anxiety to just get through life. But this healing that Jesus brought to my life and the way he changed my heart, I was able and blessed to to extend that grace to my family and I can say, yeah, I, I, I love them and all I want for them is to, you know, to meet Christ one day. And I take every opportunity to share my, my faith and what God has done in my life with them. Yeah. yeah I, I don't want to give up fighting for them on my knees. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. And, uh, well, at the end, I'd love us to have that opportunity even to be praying. Uh, to, and I might even ask you, if that's okay, to pray for your country, for your family, uh, and, uh, and others that have experienced uh, trauma and uh, challenges that, uh, like yourself. But I'd, I'd love for you to finish. Just, to, just the last question, uh, Moen. Uh, for the people of One Hope who are here uh, this morning, what is something that you would love to, uh, to, to talk about in terms of your experience of what God has shown you? After everything that I've gone through, all the dark days and, you know, sad events in my life, by, by, by right and natural consequences of things, I, sh- I shouldn't be able to function like, like a human being. <laughs> I, I have to have at least some sort of me- mental illness, if not, if not being dead. But you see, I, I met a guy named Jesus. Yeah. He, he told me that I'm more than my sins. I'm, I'm, I'm not a failure. I'm more than my struggles. And he wants to give me a new life. So I Amen. say yes. I said yes to Jesus. And he changed my life. Wow. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 71, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll restore you to greater honor. And I will comfort you once again. I can truly say that God has restored my life to greater honor. And I'm comforted at Jesus' feet. So, yeah, I, I read in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus has a, a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well. At some point in that conversation, Jesus, Jesus turns back and tells her that if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew who you're speaking to, you would ask me for living water. You will ask me and I'll give you living water. Whoever drinks from the water that you're pulling out will become thirsty again. But those who drink from the water I give will never thirst again. It will become fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So for me, I've, I've drank from so many different wells. I, I've claimed independence from God. I, I try to build up the Tower of Autonomy, my Tower of Babel. I've chased fame, money, Sex, drug, alcohol, pornography. Before I know it, I was I was thirsty again, until I met I met Jesus and I accepted that living water of Jesus' hands. 
So I would like to ask you if if you are if you are thirsty like I was, if you are if you are heavy burdened, if you are under the weight of shame and guilt, like Matt said a couple of weeks ago, it is illegal to go out of that door and still carry that shame that Jesus Christ has paid for. So I will, I will encourage you and I urge you, if that's you, have that, have that conversation with Jesus. Give him a go. Jesus is a sure bet. He has done it for me and that's an indication that he can do it, do it for you. Not only he's able, but he's, he's willing to, he's eager. He wants to do it for yeah. you. So yeah, Amen. bless you church. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to invite the music team up. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'd love for you to pray, mate. I'd love for you to pray for us. Uh, but also, I'd love for you to pray for your uh, country and, and as well for, for even what, uh, what you said, Cora, I think is really significant as well. Um, for us, even as a church, to be aware uh, of, of those needs in the community and as well just to be praying for our, our whole nation, um, but as well our, even overseas as well, of what God can, can do and, and new life that, can, uh, that God does. He's a, a God who can reveal his uh, love and, and grace as, as we've uh, heard a testimony of you, uh, your story and your life this morning, which is powerful. So thank you. I'd love for you to for pray uh, for us sure this morning. Father God, we come before you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity that you gave me to, to share how wonderful you are, how gracious you are, how your hands are not short to reach us where, where we are, whether we have church around us or not, where we are from or what our background is, regardless of all that, you can reach our heart if we call out to you. So I take this opportunity to, to pray for my home country, for Iran. Lord, your word has prophecy about Iran that you, you promised that you will build your kingdom in Iran one day. So I, I pray, Lord, that that day come sooner and we get to see that. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will tower around, around that country and touch the hearts of people, of thirsty souls that they need to meet you, Lord. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit does that. As we, as, we, as we partner with you to seed the soul, I pray that your Holy Spirit will water that those seeds to grow to a beautiful tree of your face that people yes, can take rest on them. Also pray, Lord, that for those who have heard my story to reveal your love to them, Lord, and I pray that we come to a place of surrender because there is no better place than that. There is no greater and safer place than your loving arms, Lord. So I pray, Father God, send your Holy Spirit to everyone's heart on the sound of my voice. Dwell in their heart, Lord. Empower them to walk with you zealously and bless their heart abundantly. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.